Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the saviours of Scottish football. Maybe. I am Laurie Dunsire, uh, joined again by Mark Donaldson, but only Mark Donaldson this week. Sorry, I shouldn't say only, should I? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like um, I'm kind of getting back to work just now, and it's just it's like the whole lockdown and not working and having Ryan McGowan and Stefan Adam on, and now it's kind of yeah, it's like back to reality. It's just us. I'm back in the office in the day. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, but don't give them don't give them too much at one time because they get greedy. You know what you know what human beings are like. Indeed, the expectation level is oh, it's. It's only Barack Obama this week. Is that the best they can do? I mean, come on. We probably but there will be more. There will be more, but uh, we probably should have started. We probably should have started with like maybe someone who's just on the bench at Hearts Cup, like a Grant Murray or something. You know. Oh, that's unfair for Barry. But is Barry not working for Hibs these days? Yeah, that's probably a bad one. Maybe Jim Hamilton, he yeah. came on rather than um, oh, Hammy. Let's let's go off on a tangent right at the start, right? There's some people that are rather eloquent. There's some people that are good in front of a microphone. Ryan McGowan is excellent in front of a microphone. It didn't take long for TV producers, directors, and um, bookers of so-called celebrities on studio shows for football to realise that Jim Hamilton... Uh, was pretty much one and done with most of the places that, that he did. He came up with something I have never heard anybody say before. And he said it a lot. And if you go back and you watch any interview with Jim Hamilton, I'm sure you'll find him say this. There was something he said called says a. And I don't know if it's a Dundee thing or what, but most of his answers or a lot of his answers, he'd either start with or finish with says a. And I was just like, what is that? Is it says I in Dundonian? But you don't. Everyone's got a, a twerk. Uh, yeah. A twerk. That's, that's something <laughs> different. <laughs> I, I listen back to the show, and I think I've got this kind of whether it's an A or an um or you know it's interesting when it's not really. It's just it buys you an extra second or two. Yeah. So you can either think about what you're going to. But says A. I'm not. I'm still not sure what what that means. And, and Dundonian is a funny, funny language. Uh, the guy the language. Used to work with the big <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not from this planet. The guy who I used to work with was from Dundee, and he goes, "Shall I teach you Dundonian?" I said, "Not really." He goes, "I'm going to teach you anyway." He said, "If I'm in a baker's shop and I says geezer plenin and a ninga ninga na," I was like, "What?" He said, "Geezer plenin and a ninga ninga na." Can I have a plain one and an onion one as well? I'm like, "Just stop that's enough." <laughs> and he says, "If I'm in a shoe shop." Which word can I use? Just one word, but it makes a whole sentence. And I said, I, I don't know. He says, it always it also works in Aberdeen. I said, I still don't know. He says, it's fit. I'm like, well, why does that make a sentence? He goes, well, if you're in a shoe shop, you can say to the person, if you get the two shoes from the back, you can say, fit, fit, fits, fit, fit. Which foot fits? I'm like, come on, just stop this now. Between Doric and Dundonian, it's the same country. But my God, it's a million miles away. These people are loons and quines and all sorts of weirdness. Oh, I, I, the loons. Four for athletic, of course. 
Can you speak any Doric? You're you're kind of up that neck of the woods, are you not? Oh, fly cup of tea, aye. Um, a fly cup of what's a fly cup of tea? Like a good cup of tea, or just with a with a fun with a fancy piece. It's with like <laughs> it's like with a wee cake, a wee pastry, or something. A wee fancy piece. I want to see if I, I want to see if I can get you kind of more into a Doric. Um, oh, I don't, I don't, I, oh, I don't like it. I just just been up there for for a while before. So how long how long were you up? Because when I first um, kind of met you or was introduced to you, you were up there, and I I always thought you were from there, and you just um, travelled to games. Uh, it's it's complicated. I was. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> I'm going to sit back and enjoy my beer. Well, well, my dad's from Edinburgh. My mum's from kind of Greater London, Kent. Um, born in Dumfries, grew up in Angus, Stoke Aberdeenshire, right in the in between between Dundee and Aberdeen. Where were um, you born? Dumfries. <laughs> just oh throw... Jesus! That's what they, I mean. they, honestly, they they speak English, but it's a it's a harsh English. Um, so yeah, th- this is, let's, after some, you know, getting cup runners on and doing structured Jimmy interviews, and and now, we're back to now we're just talking you. about Jim Hamilton's twerk after about five minutes. Um, <laughs> twerking Jim Hamilton. Yeah, he, he wasn't, he wasn't the brightest, um, was, was nice James. Guy. Doesn't have to be bright, just with the no. back of the net. I tell you what, he'd, 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 he'd fluster. The opposition defences, wouldn't he? He was a. I liked Jim Hamilton as a player. It wasn't a case of oh, I'm not going to go for that diving header because I might, I might hurt my head where because there's boots flying. He didn't give a damn. Yeah, he was like an old fashioned striker, wasn't he? Yeah, big, yeah, big strong target man, good in the air. Um, brilliant that season that we won the cup. Obviously, he didn't have much involvement in the cup final, but um, big impact. Came on and yeah. was a, he actually came on, albeit he's a striker, he came on and was, was pretty good defensively as far as not getting in the way is concerned and, <laughs> and helping out. Um, him, he actually, his his grandmother, I think it was, had a caravan in the village I grew up in, in the northeast, just to throw that out there. <laughs> ah, come on. Right, anyway. <laughs> right, what are we and talking about? Um, how many goals did Jim Hamilton score? 31. I think he got... Did he maybe get... He got double figures the cup winning season. Got 18 goals that season, yeah. In total. 14 in the league, maybe? Um, yep. Very good. God, I'm so interested. <laughs> not necessarily. That, that's in, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone as high as 18 for, for that season. I actually yeah, just remembered really 14 in the league, so I didn't actually remember he'd scored that many overall. But but do you know what was weird about the 14? What's Only that? two of them were at Tynecastle. Oh. Well, of them were away from home. I remember one of them, a winner at Tanadice, actually. That was the first time I went to Tanadice. Anyway, um, we are here to talk about something other than just reminiscing about yeah, what are we going to talk about this week? Um, well, we're going to... We obviously had Ryan McGowan on last time, and um, the homework the Mark set was your favourite Ryan McGowan moment, so have a look at the tweets we received on that. Um, and then we're just going to have a chat about what's been going on in Scottish football, because there have been developments, there's been plenty news, and a lot of it... Well, in fact, most of it hearts related. <laughs> um, so we'll have a chat about that, and yeah, I, I guess see where it goes. It's back to the old... Mark and I um, going on tangents, and yeah, that's it. Let's go. Before we get into it, I want to 
to mention um, some some sad news. Actually, last week we we got the news that Frank Walker, who was affectionately known as Shaky, had passed away. Um, Hearts paid tribute to Shaky. There was also an article in the Evening News by Jamie McKenzie, and I'll, I'll just pick a bit of that out now. Um, Fellow heart supporter and owner of the Dickens Bar in Dalry Road, Callum Anderson was a pal of Shakey's for 30 years. He told the Daily Record he was running a karaoke bar at Port Seaton in 1990 when an eccentric DJ called Frank turned up with a variety of props, including plastic flowers, tins of beans and masks. Mr Anderson said the pub loved him and he would announce Shakey, Shakey, so good they named him twice. Mr. Anderson described him as a larger-than-life character who had a knack for making people feel they knew him for much longer than they did due to his friendly nature. Um, we also got some tweets about Shaky. Uh, Liz tweeted it saying he was quite a character. First met him on a bus going to a match, introduced himself to all, shaking people's hands and generally having a good chat with everyone. Always happy and smiling and cheered everyone up, that's for sure. We had a good feel, we had a good feel factor at uh, a feel-good factor, uh, probably that's what I was meant to say, uh, going to Tynecastle, R.I.P. Frank. Um, Kenny said, sitting next to him in the pub before a game, he was dressed as Scooby-Doo. I think I've seen that um, image before online. And um, Alistair Mayer says, a true supporter, always smiling and always saying hello. And uh, Nikki Dunn just said, legend. So um, not a person that um, either of us knew personally, but... Um, taken far too early of just 57 he was so our thoughts of friends and family of frank walker and um you know it's, it's times like these you know we you know we obviously talk about players and um, we talk about former managers etc but as that episode with joe sked a few weeks ago highlighted you know the kind of lifeblood of the club are people like shaky you know these characters and not not necessarily everyone knows personally but they bring, they add something to it, and it's it's sad. It is sad when you read something like that, even if we didn't know him as you know as a personal friend or anything. He's the type of guy, the type of character that, that football will miss when it's played behind closed doors, mm-hmm. uh, because it's not been great being a Hearts fan. Let's let's not make um, no mistake about that one over the last eighteen months. But they're still characters, and and that was one of the reasons why we chose. A few weeks ago, to, to go down the, the the route of your your favourite person associated with Hearts, who's not a player or or a manager, and that's why we got so many um, characters who were mentioned. So thoughts over this family and Jesus, fifty seven. Come on, that's no age at all. Moving on, if you you do like the scars around the funnel podcast, um. The British Podcast Awards are up at the moment, what? and yes, got... and there's a, there's a Listener's Choice Award. So this is basically any podcast can be mentioned. This is supported by BBC Sounds. There's a there's a lot of big hitters in there, so let's not pretend like we, we we're hopeful of of our chances. But a few people uh, messaged us saying they were voting for us and encouraging others too. So. I, it would be negligent of me not to mention it. So, you know, if if, if you think you're wor- we're worthy and you enjoy the podcast, go to www.britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. 
type our name into the search box, click on our podcast, enter your name and email address, and then all you have to do to confirm your vote um, is click on the link that gets emailed out to you, and that verifies it. Very simple, and yeah, as I say, we're, we're, we're in with the big guns in there, but give us a vote, why not? So last week we had Ryan McGowan on for uh, uh, an extra long, uh, an extra long podcast. It was a, a meatloaf anthem type of podcast. We had to split it in two. It was our bat out of hell, um, and it was obviously with with Gowser talking about his time with Hearts and uh, a few good memories in there. So if you haven't listened to it, you know, do access it. You can download it. Um, two part special. Uh, but what we asked. After it was, uh, what were your favourite Ryan McGowan moments? And we got a few tweets back on this. Uh, Anne Waddle sent in a photo of her with Gowser and Andy Webster. And she said, uh, taken at an Orwell Hearts Player of the Year due in 2012 in the West End Bar after the game. No players able to be at the original event due to an international break. We got the Scottish Cup and Henry Smith instead. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, yeah. Ian White added, uh, Ryan, you were a star for us Jambos and we were lucky to have you and your brother play for us. May you continue to enjoy a long and successful career. Thank you for everything, mate. And it's funny because, you know, obviously you had Stefan on, who's obviously well past his playing time. Um, but it's, you sometimes forget, you know, because it feels so long ago, but Ryan McGowan's obviously just 30, um, mm-hmm. playing at a decent level in Australia, so still plenty of juice left in him. Just a really nice guy, and I'm, I'm intrigued to to hear all the kind of memories on, and and thoughts of people with Ryan. I, I don't think there's one in particular for me, because he mentioned the goals. It's been really enjoyable to listen back to it, because I mentioned to you just before we came on air, we both like to, to listen back and hopefully improve upon what we've done, but also because we might miss something when we're when we're chatting. Um, so it's nice to, to kind of listen back and, and to hear some of Ryan's stories as well. There's there's not particularly a favourite one of mine. Um, I just love the fact that the rapport that he built up. There's there's two types of people who go to football clubs. One who buy into it and, and those who don't. Um, whether it's coming over here to MLS and, and buying into the product, which isn't the greatest at times, but... They buy into it. They buy into the lifestyle. Yeah, they're going it all all in, or, or you don't at all. And he, he's the. T- I was thinking about this. He's the type of player, Laurie, that I would want eleven of of his type of character in my team. And if we did, I don't think Hearts would have been in the position that that, that we're in. He's not the type of person that shirks responsibility. Um, you heard that from him when he's talking about Marius uh, Jaliukas when he had a go at him for potentially what he perceived as not trying in training. So. If I was to ever, not that I will, but if I was to ever build a football team, uh, characters like Ryan McGowan are the type of, of players that, that I'd be looking for. So not one in particular, one specific um, memory or whatever, just an all-round top bloke. Indeed. Um, Chris O'Neill, yes, former Hearts man Chris O'Neill, um, just uh, sent an image of Gowser doing the 5-1 at the World Cup. And I think we maybe I think we maybe disappointed a few people when Ryan admitted it was simply the organising of the wall when he put and, that. Yeah, and there's another thing, honesty as well. Um, he's he's the type of person I'm sure when he was either when he was growing up or when he was staying with Claire Cowan's mom Carol that if he'd done something wrong, either he would have admit, have admitted it, or if either his parents or 
Claire's mum had said, Ryan, did you? <laughs> I'm not sure he would lie. I think he's, he's too honest for that. And the 5-1... You can embellish that story. It's like what I said to him about the Gary Locke story about knowing the the team. And Gary probably spun the story a little bit more. But Ryan was like, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, I and mean, yeah, it was great. And a few people messaged me who I know saying, can't believe he said that. I can't believe he just came out. Because, you know, he was you know quite open about what, honest, happened, yeah. what happened with Rangers. The fact he was unhappy about how Templeton got treated. um the fact he almost <laughs> he thought his heart's career was over because he shouted at Manny Salukas once, um, which is great. I think you know the good things and the bad things to be so honest about it. And I suppose it's it, it's 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 easier for someone maybe when they're, you know, it's a few years ago he's been at Hearts. You know, you you wouldn't expect it from someone who's still around the club, obviously still connected directly. But players don't have to, you know. Players can take the easy route and and um, see Joel put up a. A wee, a wee article on Evening News about um, the story was value because that was a good one and I'd never heard that before um, the fact he didn't get on with Shaba and the shouting at Zalukas in a reserve game mm. that's what we're trying to bring you isn't it we're trying to bring you stories that you haven't heard before and, and we haven't heard before like Stefan Adam wasn't on the bus coming back from um, Celtic Park in 98 when we won the cup mm-hmm. and Ryan's stories as well it just it goes back to the mantra for what broadcasting and journalism should be Tell them something they don't know. Indeed. We got another tweet from someone who's... <laughs> I think they might have recently changed their username. Their username is We Just Save Your Club Say Thanks. Um, <laughs> and they tweeted saying, My favourite memory is a League Cup game at Motherwell. Uh, both Ryan and Temps were not playing and in the main stand at well. They spent the whole game giving Jason Thompson abuse from the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, honestly, um, they're obviously friends. You know, uh, Ryan mentioned Jason Thompson's wedding the the week after the cup final when a lot a few of them were basically still out from the week before. But um, but that's good, and you, you like hearing about things like that. That team spirit, when it whether it's you know giving each other a bit of shit you know like 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 mates do anyway i think you know it's part of the bond isn't it that you sure. you give each other stick and i guess one thing that really shone through and um you know we we knew about what happened in 2011 12 with the wages and i knew roughly about the fact that the players themselves made sure that the people who needed it most got it but you know a group of players to actually take it upon themselves to do that it says a lot about I guess the team spirit and the solidarity between them that they didn't really break ranks on the whole. They kind of sucked it up. And not only that, but they looked after each other. So if there was someone who really needed it more than the others and, you know, Ryan himself was suggesting that, you know, he, he had a car, but that was about it. He was still living with, with Claire Cowan's mum. So he wasn't in desperate need for the money, whereas some other people had families and big mortgages and stuff. Could you imagine if a similar situation had happened with our lot? the season just passed or the season that never finished sometimes if you don't have anything nice to say it's best not to say anything at all I think I'll leave it there <laughs> indeed right um, back on course Greg messaged with a photo of Gowser crowd surfing uh, saying this is from the infamous night at Woodburn and that was the story that Ryan McGowan was saying about going out to a bowling club in Dalkeith after the cup final, I think it was on the Sunday, he said, after the parade, and um, it not being quite as uh, low-key as he expected, to the point where I think him and Danny Granger and maybe another one or two were there, and they ended up crowd-surfing. Um, 
sounded fun. Uh, Jerry Strachan said, saw him on a date at the zoo once. Did, fair enough? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> Suzanne Hendry says, um, in terms of favourite Ryan McGowan memories, uh, him and David Templeton dancing away to Brian Adams' Summer of 69 with their inflated air guitars. Good. Um, I like that. I, I, yeah, they're obviously good mates. And I was, I was trying to think, you know, we speak about um, with the Skatchel and Hartley, a little love affair they had. That'd be mm-hmm. a, Maybe that's a good homework. Good... Um, Bromances. Bromances at heart. And it doesn't... It, sometimes, I guess, it could be on field or off the field. Because, you know, we, we think of these good link-ups on the field. And to be honest, who knows if they were as close off the field as it suggested him. But, yeah, that would be good. Bromances, good... Good Think of 85-86. Think of 85-86. Gary and, and Craig Levine were teammates. They never really got along, especially now they, they detest each other, Gary Mackay and Craig Levine. From that team, Gary was good friends with Walter Kidd and Sandy Clark. Uh, Craig still is very good friends with, with John Colhoun. It's like anything. Every one of us has got people at our work that we work with, we tolerate. Um, we would never go for a drink with, but we're not nasty to them or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, Craig, Craig and Gary, it's sad that the way that that kind of, that, it was never a good relationship to begin with. I mean, they were teammates, they were fine, they'd do anything for each other on the pitch. Um, but it just, he wasn't his type of, of person, which is it's fine, we're not going to get on with everyone. But bromances, um, I wonder who Jim Hamilton's pal was. I mean, there's a reason that, that Ryan was pally with with Templeton and Johnny Stewart that you mentioned, because he came through the ranks together. And that's, you, yeah. you usually find that. If you're at school with someone, you keep in touch with them, or you've got a mate you've worked with for, for ages at work. Um, you don't have to get on with everyone. You just have to, to, to work with them for, for the, the, the the best possible cause. Andy Grant says, uh, while listening to his bit about the cup final and his goal, it took me back to the bus journey through and my aunt saying to everyone that Elliot was pish and shouldn't play. The rest of the minibus were like, what the fuck? And then she declared if Elliot scores, she would give us all five pounds. Robbed. Um, obviously not specifically Ryan McGowan, but I mentioned it because Stephen Elliot replied and said, your aunt knows her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be another thing for, for homework. What's the most let down you've been when you've got to a game or you've found out the team news? Yours would probably be Athens, wouldn't it? <laughs> you read my mind. Jamie Mole and Athens. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm trying to think. That's a, that's a good one. Give it's people a, a little, bit, little bit of thought. Yeah, we'd have to have a think about that one. I don't remember. Let's see if anyone else remembers this. Um, it was a cup tie. I'm going to try and find it while I'm, I'm yapping or while you continue after this. It was a cup tie at Rugby Park. It was either that or a league game, but I'm sure, I'm sure like a, a very old... Walter Kidd, right at the end of his career, played against... It was either Walter Kidd or Neil Berry. But Walter Kidd springs to mind. And we kind of got there like five minutes before kickoff because we used to go in the, the Pennycook Hearts bus and stop off in a little place called New Milnes, which was as, as rough as old boots, but it, it was like 150 a pint and you got a game of pool and you could be pissed by the time you got there. But we always, I'm sure all supporters' buses, it's been ages since I was last on one, are the same. You try and time it so that you just get there with enough time to make kickoff. Um, and this was one of those things. So you get in and you're like, who's, wait, who, who's that? What's he doing playing for us? 
I think Walter Kidd might have been one of those. Amarusa lets it run. Uh, she had a photo of Gowser going mental at Hamden in the stands. And that was obviously last year when he attended the cup final as a fan. And uh, Amarusa lets it run said, away from the obvious answers, that pick of him celebrating Ryan Edwards scoring in last year's Scottish Cup final, which which was terrific, you know, coming over and attending. And he, he said that in the podcast, you know, he genuinely hearts her. The pick of it, he, he likes all the teams he's played for, but Hearts are the, the one he thinks of most fondly. And the fact, you know, he came over and went to a cup final and obviously he said he was pretty hammered and can't remember much and felt it the next day after jumping around. But it's terrific to see that from a former player, especially one who didn't even come from Scotland. No, but he's bought into it and, and it's become his club. Uh, he would have grown up supporting one club, but he's got an a, a affiliation uh, and an affection for this one. It was Walter Kidd. It was at Kilmarnock. It was under Tommy McLean. We lost 3-1 uh, in 94-95. Robbo scored that day. And <laughs> I don't know if it was a stereotypical Tommy McLean lineup, but how about this? I don't think it might never have happened before. There was only one player in that lineup whose age started with a two. Oh. I mean, I'm not going to I mean, it was John Miller, but I just thought. Henry Smith, 38. Colin Miller. Oh, get this. Henry, 38. Colin Miller, 30. Gary Mackay, 30. Walter Kidd's last game, 36. Dave McPherson, 30. John Colhoun, 31. Jim Bett, 35. Robbo, 30. Gary Locke and Kevin Thomas, both 19. And John Miller, the only 20 something at 27. Wow. That's army. Right? I mean, under McLean, I'd... gee, was <laughs> that was a horrible, horrible season. Ninety four five. Thankfully, it was just before I start um, following things, so missed that joy. Uh, always a jambo says his sheer enthusiasm every time Hart scored, and of course that goal. Has anyone measured how many centimeters he was from goal when he headed that in? Great, <laughs> great bloke who seems a role model to young wannabe pros. Um, and finally, uh, Steve M says, um, excellent listeners, always chaps, and a great guest appearance by Gowser. Favourite Gowser moment has to be his goal in the cup final. Gowser always looked like someone who just felt so privileged to play for Hearts, and he celebrated like a fan. He shouldn't be embarrassed by it. Legend. And that's what he said to him at the time, you know, obviously saying, you know, when he looks back at his celebrations, not being as cool as Rudy Scatchel, but part of what made him so popular was he did just lose a plot like what any of us would if we That's were lucky exactly. enough to be on the pitch and score a goal. Of course, you want to see people going mental. There's, there's nothing worse than, than players not celebrating properly, especially in big moments. I mean, keeping it cool. Yeah, I think we, 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 we want to see players going mental and, and giving it and giving it big ends. One of the other things about that celebration, you, you can imagine, I mean, guys like Shearer or Robbo or, or various others, they, they had their celebration because they scored so often. It's just total instinct, and and that's that's another reason why it's it's so easy to 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 like the guy. And it's I think that that message was was spot on. If any of us ever, not that it's going to happen, ever got the chance to play for Hearts and and to score, we would do exactly the same. He he's just living the dream. We are living vicariously through Ryan McGowan when it comes to Hearts. Uh, again, thank you uh, to Ryan for joining us on our recent show, and thank you f- for the messages. They all sent in; it was great, uh, reliving those uh, Gowser moments. 
okay, moving on. So we're going to talk a bit about um, what's happening just now in Scottish football, um, which still lots of things up in the air. So the latest instalment in the SBFL reconstruction, dodgy voting saga. Um, so we're not going to delve into things in too much depth because we don't have much time for that. And it's still a, a moving beast. It's still very fluid. So Hart's proposing a... 14-14-14. Obviously, Hearts and Anne Budge now doing Neil Doncaster and his cronies' jobs for him um, with the potential for 14-14-16. But that seems unlikely um, to be passed from what we've heard from, from certain clubs. Um, but now Mr Doncaster is pushing the idea of a five-year temporary top flight of 14 with 10-10-10 below it. Funny, Mark, though, the timing of Neil Doncaster no, suddenly becoming so keen to... Because I think the suggestion he's written to all Premiership and Championship clubs seeing what it would take for them to support this. So, funny, Mark, given that this is uh, very shortly after um, Anne Budge has put Neil Doncaster in touch with a certain James Anderson, the philanthropist stroke benefactor who... Funnily enough, managed to managed to plow millions into hearts and remain anonymous. But hours after being put in touch with the SBFL, his name was plastered everywhere. Just what he didn't want. Um, so we wouldn't mention it if it wasn't already out there so much. But given it is, we can obviously mention he was part of a group that plowed nine million into hearts in recent years. Um, so he's putting forward apparently two million pounds for Scottish clubs to pay for testing. Um, timing, hmm, interesting, isn't it? I mean, is there any connection? Depends who you ask. I'm, I'm now at the stage where I'm over this. It's, it's given us a lot of, whether it's been entertainment's maybe not the right word, but it's, it's, it's kept us occupied for a while now. But we're now at a stage. It's just, come on, let's just, let's just play in the championship next season if that's what's, what's going to happen. Don't try and tease us. What's different this time from when Anne supposedly had the reconstruction ideas the first time around and the, the clubs, without even going to a vote, said no. So, so what's, what's different this time? The fact that someone's connected with, with Hearts, i.e. financially, has, has said, ooh, I've committed to put some money towards other clubs. Has that got anything to do with it? I don't know. And I, I don't want to go down no. that road. I, I just, I just, I, I want to know. I want to know what league we're going to be playing. I want to know when we're going to start. Because when I saw the whole October start, I'm like, these Hearts fans have not been to a game since March in Paisley. They've not been to a game at Tynecastle since, well, end of February, start of March. For October, and, and to see clubs starting back 11th of June in the Premiership and hoping to start because of the Sky TV deal at the start of August. Yeah, I want to be there, but we, 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 can't, we can't complain too much because we weren't good enough last season. I know it's unfair, and I get that. It's totally unfair. Any legal action should be for compensation as a result of the unfairness. But mm-hmm. we 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 can't just say, well, look, I'll have no if if reconstruction happens, great, no no problem with that whatsoever. If it saves us, great, it saved clubs in the past. But if it doesn't happen, I just want to know the the way that it's been handled by the SPFL is is awful, and I just want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and if we are in the championship next season. Let us know when, when that's going to start. But as Anne said, uh, or as someone associated with the club, I think it was, has said over the last couple of days, um, as far as Neil Doncaster is concerned, his jo- 
how many people are doing his job for him? Why why isn't he going to the other clubs and saying, do you think you will be in a position to start the season um, or not? And and have a kind of straw poll and, and say, look, if you're not, then we'll have to come up with something that those who are, are are eligible and, and willing to, to go. The thing that's tickled me about all this, and it's for a lot of Hearts fans, it's been the same thing, is obviously a few of us, you know, mainly those with skin in the game, I suppose, as they say, Hearts, Park Thistle, Stranraer, Rangers to an extent, you know, we were unhappy with how things were handled initially. Um, there seemed to be clear, well, we'll say it, signs of corruption, certainly signs of people, um, you know, using power for self-interest and trying to sway things in their own way. And when we said, you know, there needs to be investigation, let's see how this goes, you know, Hebs, Celtic, let's be honest, these fans are often laughing and saying, this is just how it goes, guys, you know, people look after themselves, you know, nothing to see here, lapping it up. But now it's completely changed. Now they're fuming at the possibility that reconstruction might happen because it's off the back of Hearts helping out with um, making connections. And there's no way there's any direct written clause here that Hearts have to stay up if you get this money. It's completely separate. But suddenly everyone's up in arms about it. And it's like, come on, guys. You must see the irony in this. That Now you're all up in arms about it. Celtic and Hibs fans. The the amount of comments from Hibs fans on updates that James Anderson is going to be putting money in or updates from the fact that Neil Doncaster's trying to promote this 14-team top flight. No, no, this can't happen. Corruption, it's shocking. What the SPFL playing at? This is Ben. It's like, guys, you were absolutely lapping up the potential for dodgy dealings from the SPFL months ago, weeks ago even. How has this all suddenly changed? It just tickled me because, if anything... All that, all that would happen here with Reconstruction is trying to right potential wrongs, potentially, and avoid anyone getting punished. Anyway, it, it just I couldn't believe some of the comments. I could believe them, actually, but it still amused me. When I woke up this morning, um, there were many, many likes to a tweet that uh, has it's come from Amaruso Let's It Run. And the reason I, I kind of knew there were many likes because um, me and Jambo's Kickback and View from Gorgie and a few others, of, of, of our accounts have been linked at the bottom of it. And it says, can all the Scottish football fans who did not believe in an incompetent SPFL board being investigated until the past few days, please pipe down? Whether there's a correlation between that and what you've been talking about. The other thing is as well, Leanne Dempster's phone goes. Hi, Leanne, it's, um, it's Neil Doncaster. We're, we're going to, uh, and I'm not doing a Neil, Ca- Neil Doncaster voice this week. No. It's one and done. If you didn't hear it last time, you didn't miss anything. So the phone call is made. It's like, we're, we're going to give you £50,000. Oh, that's great. That's great. Is she going to ask where it's from? And if she does, it's it's from the, the Edinburgh philanthropist, the, the benefactor who gives money to, to hearts. Is she going to turn that down? Of course she's not. We're all guilty um, of hypocrisy. And we, we've all said things which we've later gone back on. I've said it before. It's like getting in the car. We all break the law. We all speed. But... <laughs> I found myself the other day, I was like, you hypocrite. There was, I was coming out somewhere and someone came flying by me and I put my hand out the window as if to say, slow down. That's me. That's, it's a role reversal. That's normally me that's doing that. But here's me, Mr. Hypocrite. We're all like that. Higgs fans, Celtic fans, Hearts fans. It's funny. It, it, 
there's there's never two sides to the story. It's very difficult to see the other side of the story. Hypocrisy is part of, of being a football fan. Being fickle. You can't be a football fan if you're not fickle. The guy you detest and you're always moaning about every single week. He scores. You're not sitting on your arse and not celebrating. You're up there. Of course you are. I miss being a football fan and going to the games. I don't know if you I don't know if you saw this actually. But I, I thought rather than delving into a few points that I was going to raise, I thought it was a quite a good. There was a um, open letter to Scottish football from two yeah. prominent heart supporters. Saw that. Groups, Very good. Which, um, well put together. Which was put together. So if you haven't, I'll, I'll read through it because it's quite. A, it covered quite a few good points. I mean, it raises some questions as well, but it covers a few good things. So um, I'll read it out. It's, Dear all, we understand that 2020 is a year that will long be remembered for the tragedy and loss of life that has afflicted this country, as almost every other across the world. Our organisations pay tribute to the frontline workers who have given everything to help give others hope, and we mourn with those whose loved ones are now gone. To talk about Scottish football at this time feels very difficult, and it's for that reason we've chosen not to comment publicly until now. It isn't a surprise that as Heart of Midlothian supporters, we feel strongly that the club currently faces demotion to the Scottish Championship. But as football supporters and in effect the largest sponsors of our game, we call on everyone in the game to come together and ensure that the game we all love survives long beyond COVID-19. To that effect, we call Scottish football and in particular the SPFL to take a number of steps. We believe that the SPFL executive, both exe- chief exec and independent directors, should be take- taking ownership and leading clubs through this time. They should be the arbiter of fairness and genuine guardians of the game. We do not believe it's for clubs such as ours to be heading up our own reconstruction talks, because when discussions are framed this way, they will fail, because the vast majority of clubs will only consider themselves and consider Heart of Midlothian to be doing likewise. When this happens, rancour will continue and our game will continue to suffer. Club leaders should be wise to consider uh, carefully public pronouncements right now because words last long even if it might appear that cheap throwaway remarks are simply tomorrow's chip paper. As custodians, they bear an enormous responsibility too. We call upon the SPFL to formally ask every member club to submit assurances they can start and finish season 2021, by which we mean participating in one full league programme, i.e. at least 36 games before playoffs and 38 in the Premiership, two, the Scottish League Cup, three, the Challenge Cup, where clubs play in the Championship League 1 and League 2, Clubs that can formally declare that they are in a strong enough financial position to fulfil that obligation should be allowed to do so at the earliest opportunity when the, Sco- the Scottish Government permits. Only then can the setup of any league structure be decided upon, depending on how many clubs can make that unequivocal commitment. Clubs who cannot should be allowed to mothball without incurring any form of further punishment until fans are allowed back into stadiums and we can resume something resembling normal match day experiences. These seem pragmatic next steps, but beyond that, as supporters, we believe our view should be heard, and we don't believe we are alone for the longer term. Once there is some normality in the world, we believe a complete revamp of how our governing body is structured and operates is essential. We suggest an independent support is secured to look at the current setup of the SPFL with the power to drive significant change, such as robust, transparent governance, clear focus plans which are supported by key metrics to determine success or otherwise, a board and executive which does not include club representation and operates independently against the above clear focused plans and which is judged robustly by shareholders, i.e. the clubs on the success of the delivery. 
Anne Budge quite rightly talks about Harm and Loathing becoming fan-owned but not fan-run. On the same basis, we believe the SPFL, as a limited company, should be club-owned but not club-run. We believe that the biggest issue at, the, at this time is that the clubs run the SPFL, enabling an easy get-out for the SPFL executive and its board. How often do we hear the phrase, we're a members organisation? This means politics and self-interest becomes a huge part of managing the SPFL rather than looking outwardly, seeking new ideas, engaging with supporters and creating an amazing league competition which are celebrated by supporters, broadcasters and sponsors. This is probably the hardest period our game has experienced and the vast and sorry, the very existence of a lot of clubs is in danger. We need positive action now to safeguard that future for all and move forward. Heart of Midlothian means the world to us, but this is far bigger than anything down at Tynecastle Park right now. Yours in sport, Stevie Kilgour, Secretary of Federation Heart Supporters Club, and Bill Alves, Chairman of Heart of Midlothian Shareholders Association. So, um, I, I, I was posted on the evening news, actually, so you can um, catch it on there. But I thought that was quite good, actually. It covered a lot of good points. Um, you know, find out what clubs can actually compete. Because, you know... We're talking about the Premiership resuming in August, Championship in October, um, no fans till next year though. But even if you take this two million pounds from James Anderson into the into the um, into account, you know, with testing and with no fans, lower league clubs are going to be running at a big loss. So it's a fair point to see look who can actually continue. You know, one of the biggest gripes that I have about this is we have a chief executive of the Scottish Professional Football League. And everyone else seems to be trying to do his job for him because it looks like he's not doing it. Whether it's philanthropy, whether it's coming up with ideas. What's he what's he getting four hundred grand or circa four hundred grand a year for doing? Just to say yes to various prominent people in Scottish football? Has he come up with a league sponsor? Well no he's not. What is it? We've had nine million in investment in Scottish football over seven years. That's not very good. You compare it with the Danish league and the sponsorship money that's come in for them and the TV deal that's been negotiated. Do Celtic and Rangers play over there? No. Rangers or Randers play over there, but it's not got a G, yet they've still got an ability to earn a hell of a lot more money. And Roger Mitchell might not be everyone's cup of tea, but he was way ahead of his time when he was in charge of the SPFL back in the day with trying to to launch SPFL or SPL TV. We just, the problem you've got right now is if you have someone in a position of power who is, I'm not saying is being told what to do, but the way that this has been handled, nothing's going to change. This could have been handled so much worse, even although that appears very difficult, or so much better, and it wouldn't have changed things that this man is still going to be in charge going forward. He is exceptional when it comes to answering questions and getting out a jam. Exceptional at that, because he plays the part of a politician very well. But he's untouchable right now, and that seems to be the problem. We've had a philanthropist via Ann Budge going in saying, I can give you some money. Oh, well, initially we thought it had strings attached, and now, well, I'll certainly get in touch, because if it doesn't have any strings... Why, why is that someone else's job? It's your job to raise money. They don't carry any additional cash. I mean, come on now. Could we have someone better in that role? I think we could. But how easy is it to get that person 
out of the role that that person's in, very, very difficult indeed. That's the problem with Scottish football. At times, in some organisations, it's jobs for the boys. In others, you've got someone who... There, there, there may be other clubs. Um, there's a lot of talk that, that Celtic have got a heck of an influence in the SPFL. Do you know what? I actually don't have a problem with that because over the years, Celtic have been able to do that. It's been their plan, if it is indeed the case. It's been their plan to have an influence, if that is the case. It's up to others to try and have the same influence. Now, for Rangers, th that hasn't been the case. Um, yes, they've they've struggled. My issue isn't with Celtic. Celtic. Celtic have played their hand very well indeed. And if Neil Doncaster and Peter Lowell are in cahoots, because that that's the elephant in the room. That's the one that everyone seems to scut around. And for the first 60 seconds of that response that I've just given, maybe you could accuse me as well of skirting around it. That's the elephant in the room. How much power does Celtic have in Scottish football? No one knows is, is the answer, but it's all above board. There's no question about that as far as who's been put in place, but there's been very little opposition to that, whether it's vocal or whoever. And until there is, nothing's going to change. The biggest club in Scotland seem to have the biggest say. Okay, well, if that's the case, then fine. But this isn't something that's just happened. This has been done over the years. They've been able to put people in positions of power totally above board. Mm -hmm. It's voted and everything like that. It's no issue whatsoever. They have played an absolute blinder. And you know what? I think that is Rangers' biggest gripe. And the influence that Celtic apparently have on Scottish football has been done not quickly. It's been done over a number of years. And it's been done smartly. And I think that is Rangers' biggest gripe. And I guess, you know, I think it's a good point, and we spoke about it before, the fact that it should be club-owned but not club-run because that's, I think, part of the issue, isn't it? That everyone will always have a degree of self-interest, especially at a time like what we've experienced just now, which is obviously unprecedented, but in general, there'll be people looking after them. So yeah, that's not to say that people on the board don't also look at the bigger picture, but they've still got a primary um, responsibility to their club, which is what's going to be in the back of their mind, even if it's maybe not obviously what they're looking at. So I, I, yeah, I think there needs to be a restructuring. I think this is how do you restructure something with the current voting? You don't, and that's the problem. If you were to start from scratch against Laurie, uh, start from scratch again, you wouldn't have the people in, in power that no. are in power. No, that's the problem, um, yeah. You, you'd have a, an organisation or organisations with the SFA because that is just as much a mess. That That is, uh, let's not go there right now. But the SPFL, if you were to start from scratch again, I know Celtic are the biggest club and the most successful team right now in Scottish football, and if it wasn't for them, and, and Rangers to an extent this year in, in Europe, um, no one else is helping with the European coefficient. Celtic, uh, over the past several years, have, have kind of been a, a one-man a one band as far as, as doing that is concerned. But for anything to be able to progress going forward, why, why, why do you think we've got a scenario right now of something that was deemed unacceptable with regards to reconstruction a few weeks ago, now back on the table? It's an absolute nonsense. It's it's a it's a cock tease. That that's all it is. It's nothing's going to come of it. And if it is, I'll be very surprised. I have to say, but it's a mess. Why is this being allowed to 
to happen because the dissenting voices need to be so sufficient, i.e. over 75%, that that's never going to happen. If you were to start from scratch and you were to have a democratic process in putting together a Scottish professional football league setup for the good of the game, you'd have a far more diverse set of people. You'd have people from outside the game. You'd have people with, you'd have fans in there. You'd have journalists in there. Everyone would have a say. There'd have to be someone that would have the final say, but it can't be done through 75 to 85% of people. Whatever happened to democracy? We don't have it in, in Scottish football. And the way things are set up right now, it ain't happening for a long time. And as long as it doesn't happen, Scottish football's going nowhere. It's it's like with the Hearts thing as well. You know, you know. Again, the statement talks about Hearts becoming fan owned and not fat run, fan run. And I think that's you know, people often talk about the extremes. Oh God, it's going to be terrible when it gets handed over to the fans. Imagine the fans making decisions, and they also don't want it to be. You know, Anne Budge taking control, and she's deciding this and she's deciding that. She's you know doing her own thing it's in the middle of that it's fan owned and there's a board which should be should be voted on by the fans the people who own it so you're, you're not you're still gonna have a board that make decisions on who the manager is or who they sign or who they what they invest in and sponsorship and commercial stuff but that board should be appointed by the fans as the the owners i suppose in the same way you talk about an spfl board would the SPFL is not going to be run by the clubs. It's not going to be run by one person who has is not accountable to anyone. It's a board which is appointed by the members, i.e. the clubs. It just seems the best way to do it. It's like when the... I don't want to get the whole George Gillette offer because it's a non-starter and I think it would be a ridiculous move. His but son. His, his son. Um, Foster Gillette. Foster Gillette, aye. So Gillette Jr., nonsense whatever yeah george, george was uh, was at liverpool and um hasn't kind of left many people distraught <laughs> that he's got but you do, that's what you don't want you don't want any individuals again having the final say yeah you may maybe look at sensible investors i don't see why anyone who's that type of person is going to want to just invest and sit back and help with money they're going to want some kind of influence they're going to want to be able to make decisions and be in the limelight and make some calls. They're going to want what they pay. To be fair, Laurie, I don't mind um, a kind of meritocracy. I don't, I don't mind someone um, who is in charge of everything if they're good at what they do. Because it's like anything in life. You, you, you delegate. You don't get to the top by thinking you know everything. You delegate and you have experts in, in various departments that work for you. And it all, as part of that, be, becomes a successful operation. So I don't mind a powerful person at the top. I don't mind the way the hearts are set up as well. That's totally subjective. There isn't a right or a wrong way. But with the, the, the kind of shoe on the other foot and playing devil's advocate with regards to everything that you and I have just said, it's all been voted for by the clubs. That's the problem. We spoke about Aberdeen, remember? Had the opportunity to change um, the voting structure, but they didn't. And it wasn't just them, but they had the opportunity had they had they voted the other way. Well, it was their have... fault because it was the only time that they could get rid of the the uh, eleven the eleven to one because it was always getting voted down by Rangers and Celtic, and Rangers weren't there, so it was only Celtic who were opposing that, and Aberdeen decided to okay to take Rangers' place and team team up with them and couldn't. But, get but there's your issue, and this is the whole thing. All we are is outsiders looking in. 
do we have ideas? Could we come up with some? Well, that letter that you read out from the, the, the joint groups, and there's certainly ideas in there, but what, why do outsiders have to come up with the ideas? I mean, Anne Budge, to an extent, is an insider in that she has a say that can be listened to because she's part of one of the members um, of the organization. Um, but it's you have to remember this isn't something that's been that's been had an up or had had an opportunity for for a lot of change over the years. It, it's it's stuck the way it is, and it's stuck that way because it's a lot easier to control going forward. And like, if I'm Celtic, right, let's let's quickly go back to that. If I'm Celtic, right, they don't want to be here. They want to get their ten, which I don't see how they don't get it. They don't want to be here after that. They've not wanted to be here for the last 20 minutes, uh, twenty years, right? Periodically, there will have been newspaper articles about Scottish football and the top two, or Celtic, or whoever, going down south, or joining Atlantic leagues and leaving Scotland, or or whatever. It, it comes up from, from time to time. They don't want to be here, right? We don't particularly want them, and to an extent, Rangers, because we want the other teams to have a chance of, of tasting success, there hasn't been a, a league champion out with Celtic and Rangers in the top flight in Scotland since Aberdeen did it. That's, what, 35 years ago. And nothing's going to change soon because the rich are getting richer by playing in the Champions League and to an extent the Europa League if you can go far. So nothing's going to change. So there's an element of the championship next season being refreshing again for Hearts because I'd like to think we would win more more than we we would lose. There's a decent chance we'll win the title again, and it was enjoyable when we were down there the last time. But ultimately, when we get back into the top flight, the best we can hope for is probably third. There might be a chance we, we have an outside chance of finishing second, but, but we're not finishing first. So Celtic's problem is they are the visitor to the house that desperately want inside, but the owner of the house doesn't want to let them in. And in that analogy... The owner of the house is the top flight in English football because they don't need them. So Celtic are stuck here between a rock and a hard place. They're too big for Scottish football. But if they went elsewhere, would they have what Scottish football allows them to have? A place dining at the top table and a chance to get into the Champions League, certainly in Europa League. And they've been great. It's been fabulous this season for Celtic and Rangers to do what they've done in Europe because we now have an opportunity for two teams back in the Champions League. Hopefully that will trickle down to more places in European football that don't start before the previous season has ended. I'm all for that. So it's a difficult one here. Celtic have outgrown Scottish football, but no one wants them. No one wants them where they want to be. And that is the issue. Before we go, I just... Um looking at a tweet from Hart Stats and I thought it might be useful for some form of homework for people. Um, Hart Stats uh, tweeted just uh, the other day, um, despite yesterday's confirmation that Avdi, Bazanic, Dikamona, Langer, McLean, Meshino, Pereira and Sibic have left, obviously the Hearts players who are no longer at the club now, uh, we've still got 27 players in the first team squad. And he put an image which has all the players there. You can get them on Twitter, which is at HeartStats. It's nice to have it laid out like that. Uh, and even put in how many years are left on their contracts. Um, some of them, some of the players 
uh, are still out of contract and might be renewed, might not. But if you look at it, I mean, you've got two goalkeepers, Zlamal and Doyle, with young Harry Stone coming through. You've got two right-backs, Michael Smith and Brandon, although Brandon could be let go with a couple coming through. You've got four left-backs, all under contract. Hickey, White, Garuccio, Burns. Three centre-backs um, with a couple of youngsters, but Halkett, Berra, Suter there. So maybe some... Um, bolstering needed in that area central midfield there's still six with some youngsters coming through Claire Irving Demure Cochrane uh, Lee Haring and wide areas is Walker Henderson Moore Morrison McDonald and up front you've got Ikpiezu Naismith Washington Boyce Whiten and some youngsters coming through so what I thought would be interesting you know let's assume we're going to be in the championship because it does seem the likely scenario what are Hearts going to do business-wise? Can we keep what we've got effectively and you and try and build on that? Um, obviously, there's not been much success with a lot of these players, but some of them are on two, three-year deals on decent wages. It'll be quite costly to get rid of. Um, so I don't know, looking at that, and you can get the nice image from the Hearts stat Twitter and it gives you a good picture of it. What do you think we need to do as a club when it comes to players for next season? And I'm just trying to get away from the whole rigmarole of reconstruction, etc. Um, because we've still got a bloody big squad. Yeah, we need a goalkeeper. Um, I'd, I'd have a choice of two. Václav Hladky from St Mirren or Craig Gordon. Craig Gordon as a player coach. Jamie McDonald? Um, I'd take Jamie back as well. He wouldn't be um, the number one. Because I'd like to, right now I'd have him over what we have, but it depends what we're going to what we're going to get. I think Hladky's the best of the bunch uh, as far as going forward is concerned because he's he's been outstanding, and it's no surprise that Rangers have have cast their their eye over him. Um, Craig Gordon has been offered um, something or had been by St Mirren. Um, they've had a chat, initial chat. The last time I spoke with with Craig was a couple. of probably six weeks ago to two months ago in St Mirren were the only ones that had, had been in touch with his agent. Nothing was offered. Um, so I, I think you'd, you'd get him if you wanted him as, as far as a player coach going forward. Because Paul Gallagher's still at the club, isn't he? At Tynecastle? As far as I'm aware, unless I missed something with that one. But... No, no I'm, I'm sure he is. So there might not be room for a, for a player coach or whatever. But Hladke or Gordon um, or, or, or Jamie as, as backup. But again, we've we've got some under contract. Pereira's gone south. Um, by the way, I, I sent you something uh, a few days ago. Um, Donis Avdiai had done an interview when he became Daniel Stendel's first signing. And he said, there is no country, no city in the world where I don't score. I score everywhere, Avdiai said. Son, the only thing you're good at is a decent score in Scrabble. So, uh, yeah, why, why don't you tweet us at Around the Funnel or email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Um, have a look at that on at Heart Stats, the current Heart Squad, who we have contracted. Um, what do we need to do? Be, uh, bearing in mind that if, if most of these players, if, if you're going to get rid of them, it needs to be someone who's going to be purchased somewhere else because otherwise you're talking about expensive termination of contracts and I don't know if we want to do that, so... Do we make a couple of signings and, and try and build on what we've got? Can we get a tune out of a lot of these players? How do you approach someone right now? I oh, would like to sign you. Okay, good. How much? For? Um, 
Well, either that or that. What do you mean either that or that? Well, it depends what league we're in. Well, you don't know what league you're in? No, we think we might be in the championship, but there's a chance it might be in the premiership. Well, I'm not going to make a decision right now. Well, But we'd rather you signed right now. Well, you need to tell me where you're going to be playing. When are you going to start? Are you going to start in August? Well, it might be October. Oh, well, hold on here. So I might not be playing until October. Yeah, we'll still pay you. But then would you pay someone yeah. that was um, a free agent now? Well, clearly, if it was a bargain and it was someone that was out of contract was just waiting for a decent deal. But again, if, if, if the, the transfer window is going to move, um, are you going to start buying players now, knowing that there's a chance they might not be playing till October? So you're going to be paying them for four months without them kicking a ball? When should Hearts players report back for training? Who should Hearts players report back to be trained by? Because the article today said that Stendhal and, and his assistant, plus... Garuccio and I think it was Loic Damore, once they come over due to the new regulations, they're going to have to, to quarantine for, for 14 days. So there's there's so many questions right now. And as much as we want to kind of say, well, we'd love to sign him because these players are out of contract now and a lot of players have been let go. But they'll have questions. How much am I getting paid? Might depend on which league you're in. That's why this needs to be resolved as soon as possible. It does, and maybe by the time we have our next show, something will be resolved. You never know. Um, but until then, uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, give us a vote on the British Podcast Awards if you feel we're worthy and you enjoy listening to the show. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be back next time with more talk of former Hearts players' dance moves or something along those lines. Who knows where the tangents might go. Look, this sound like Cardi to the stage. This sound like Cardi with the braids. Jimmy the pre baby money in a thing. This pussy wild, this stored in a case. See my lifestyle, the size down. I be dripped up, give me wipe down. I see them hoes looking cold, looking stiff. Thick bitch got.